and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings and welcome everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. In 2012, I joined my husband in changing our lifestyle. We lost a combined 130 pounds. We're off our meds, no prescription medications, no health issues. It's fantastic. And now I coach people to join me in improving their health and losing weight if they need to. So please, I'm glad you're here. Post your comments and your questions. You can tell us where you're from, or you can say my tagline, which is be strong, be well, and be green. Just test voice. Let's welcome our guests. Elizabeth Fontaine, MD, is double board certified in OBGYN and lifestyle medicine and a fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Jeffrey Pierce, MD, is a board certified family medicine physician. Both physicians are passionate about using a whole food plant-based diet and other lifestyle medicine modalities to help people get healthier, get off medications, and live longer, fuller lives. Please click like and share to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Dr. Elizabeth Fontaine and Dr. Jeffrey Pierce. Greetings and welcome back, Dr. Fontaine and Dr. Pierce. Hello, so nice to be Hello. here. With such a I'm, pleasant uh, moment during the day to be uh, present here. So good. I'm so glad you guys came back. If if any of you out there missed it, just a week ago we did another broadcast with these wonderful doctors, and it was about osteoporosis. And we'll be going to put a link up for you if you wanted to catch that. And I wanted to before we start. We have such a brief introduction, but what I do is I put the bios for our, our doctors in our show notes. So if you go and see more in the below, if you're on YouTube, you can see their bios because what we had to say for them in the introduction is nothing compared to what they have in their dossier. They are just very competent and well-accomplished doctors, and we are really thrilled to have them. And... I love talking about fun things. And today we get to talk about something fun, which is pregnancy. Yay. <laughs> and both of you doctors have had experience with that. Dr. Pierce, we want to talk about your background with pregnancy in the medical field. Sure. Yeah. I'm a family doc and uh, so trained to, um, to help uh, women with pregnancies and deliveries when I was in residency. And then um, a handful of years after I finished residency, I went back and did a fellowship in high-risk obstetrics and global health. Uh, and during that time, uh, learned how to do cesarean sections and to uh, help some of the really high-risk conditions like preeclampsia and out-of-control diabetes and things like that. Um, and now, uh, that was back in 2012, I've been doing that and teaching young family doctors um, on labor and delivery. Uh, for the last uh, nine years or so, I guess. That's great. And the things that you encountered with these high-risk pregnancies, I suppose that now that you're learning about this lifestyle and how it affects the pregnancy, we're learning, you already learned, you're going to teach us. It's going to be something that's going to really help a lot of people. So Dr. Fontaine, tell us about your medical experience with pregnancy. Oh, it's always nice, first of all, to hear uh, family doc that are doing uh, delivery. So um, I'm a specialist. I have uh, done OBGYN for 27 years. So since 1994, I've stopped actually during COVID and to uh, concentrate more on the plant base. Um, but I had the chance to be a doctor for women that were pregnant and women's problem for 27 years. So I did uh, 
a lot of what Jeff was talking about, delivering, assisting them during the whole uh, process of the pregnancy, during the cesarean section, vaginal delivery, everything, everything uh, beautiful experience of a lifetime. Yes, you're both so fortunate. I'm fortunate. I have three children. They're all grown-ups now. So I, we actually put together a little montage from my baby, who is now 27, and I got to view the video of the birth again. And it's just such an exciting thing to see from that other viewpoint. And, and I can only imagine the wonderful things that you get to witness. But it's so nice that you're addressing this topic today. You have the experience with it, amongst other things. But today we're talking about pregnancy. And that you've seen in your medical career, you've seen these health issues with pregnancies. Involved. And you now that you are embracing this plant-based lifestyle, you probably see how it's helping. Now, there's a lot of myths with the plant-based lifestyle and now, especially with pregnancy, and it really is makes it a little more challenging for people who are becoming pregnant or, or want to become pregnant if they want to embrace this lifestyle because of the myths about the lifestyle and how it relates to pregnancy. And it may be that they either are worried about embracing lifestyle or that they're running across family and friends that are advising them against it because somehow they are thinking that they know something about it. Last time that we were together, we did a little fun true or false thing with our audience. I think I'd like to do that again. So you guys, you green warriors that are watching out there, I'm going to have our engineer, Rebecca, she's going to put up a true or false, and it's a myth, yes or no. Type your answers in the comments. And so we'll ask the first question. And the first question is, during your pregnancy, it is said you won't be able to gain enough weight on a plant-based diet. Do you think this is true or false? You can type it in the comments or just think it to yourself, however you want to do it. And then we're going to ask our doctors to answer this question. So Dr. Fontaine, can you answer that? We don't even have the answer of your... Um people that are watching so what yeah. do you think is it true or false yep i think so that they, they may be commenting so they're, while they're while they're typing it in and we'll let them me, cheat <laughs> they don't know question i think i'm going to start a little bit by saying uh something about what you had said amy at the beginning i just want to make sure people realize that pregnancy is a normal event in the life of a woman it, it's nothing to abnormal things could happen totally agree but it is normal. So, you know, and if there's anything more important than anything else is to have a good diet. So the typical American diet, from what I've seen, has a tendency, I love to see those answers, people know, uh, has a tendency to create um, something that we call inflammation. And inflammation is often this common denominator that will tend to push us toward um, complication of pregnancy. As an example, diabetes is a good one. Uh, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, there's many others. Um, so therefore, the false is, is the right answer. False is the right answer for people that said that you have plenty, plenty of calories that you can get into the plant food. And actually, it's the good one. And there is absolutely no problem of gaining the normal weight with a uh, plant food base. Now we can discuss all the other little element, but for that particular answer, I'm gonna, you know, just uh, say it that way and give the chance to uh, Jeffrey to give us uh, other options. Thanks, Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, you know, the it's it's an interesting question to start with because what what I think most of us uh, in the medical field are are dealing with is that we see patients who are gaining 
too much weight during pregnancy, starting with too much weight um, at the time of conception and gaining too much weight throughout. And so this is a lovely problem to, to even think about because uh, it's, yeah, I see it so rarely in the uh, patients that I work with. Um, but for uh, those women who are, um, who do have trouble gaining weight in general, um, you know, it, it, in first trimester, there, we, we talk about eating for two, but, you know, when you're eating for two in the first trimester, you know, the second person at the table is about the size of a peanut. So you don't have to have a whole lot of extra calories to eat for two in the first trimester. Actually, there's no extra calories per day recommended in first trimester. In second trimester and third trimester, it's, you know, like 340 extra calories per day to 450 extra calories per day in the third trimester. And um, that's not very hard to get. Uh, that's like a... Um, you know, basically an almond butter and banana sandwich with a cup of soy milk a day extra on top of what your usual calories would be. And so um, that's that's not a whole lot. And uh, you're feeding your body and your baby these uh, delicious and healthy foods um, to, and supporting a good weight. So I think no problem. Yeah. Can I ask uh, and add a little something on that? On the weight gain, uh, I have to admit that for the last probably 15 years of my career, I had stopped to mention to my patient that, you know, you needed to add 300 to 400 calories. Because unfortunately, uh, we've, if you know a little bit how much the American or, you know, all over the planet actually have substantially increased the amount of calorie that we eat per, you know, you know, the 10 years, 20 years. It, 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 and so the majority of people that were sitting in front of me uh, probably didn't need more calories during the pregnancy. So I, I stopped mentioning uh, this because I, unfortunately we tend to eat too many calories. So, um, you know, I would be maybe a little bit more specific on people that would be uh, pretty uh, slim, um, but I'd be careful on the other uh, population. Um, just to be, uh, and, and for some people that were significantly uh, overweight or obese, you will often see that they lose weight during the pregnancy. So, uh, so as long as we see that there's a normal growth of the baby, which most of the time happen, um, then there's no concern. Yeah, that's Very a real good. good point. Real, real good point. If I could add uh, to that, the um, if we say for an average weight, uh, average weight woman, the average expected weight gain during pregnancy is about 25 to 35 pounds. Um, you know, when a woman hears that says, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to gain 20, 30 pounds of fat during this pregnancy. But it's, it's not that it's, you know, important to think about, you know, so the baby's going to be about six or eight pounds. Um, you gain about six or eight pounds of body fat. Then there's a couple of pounds for blood weight, just from the extra blood that you make to prepare for delivery and uh, in the fluid um, in your cells and in between your cells the weight of your uterus, the weight of growing breast size, the weight of the placenta, and all that adds up that really the amount of body fat that you gain if you're eating healthily is is rather small compared to all the other sources. And a woman who's already starting out at a BMI of 35 or 40, so in the severely obese range, um, the you don't have to gain any weight. Um, uh, because you will probably, if you eat a healthy diet, you'll probably lose a little bit of weight, like Elizabeth's saying, and um, still allowing for the necessity of placental weight and baby weight and all that kind of stuff. 
So I think focusing on healthy foods, not worrying too much about how much um, am I eating the right amount of calories uh, per se, just eating a, a broad, healthy spread of plant-based foods. Right. And of course, throughout the pregnancy, the mother frequently visits her obstetricians to get weighed and measured and so forth. So there's monitoring. So if there was any concern, I'm sure the obstetrician would say if they didn't think that they were gaining enough weight, which doesn't seem to be usually the case. No. Okay. Really. And, and you both do uh, telemedicine, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. And that is something that if somebody was, especially if they wanted to embrace this lifestyle while pregnant, they could be monitored by you by sending in their vital stats or even notes from a doctor's visit that they were seeing in their town. And you could help monitor those things as well. Okay. So let's, did you want to say anything else before? Yeah, you I was going to say that, you know, these women that are followed by the obstetrician, everything is good. It's very important. However, if the physician, which most likely still happen, the physician are not familiar with uh, plant-based and they don't have times, it's fine to have a, a consultation with one of us in order to discuss how's everything going? Am I okay? Am I eating the proper, you know, uh, you know, vitamin or protein, you know, so that we can review that, reassure them. Because unfortunately, and I was there, the majority of the obstetrician gynecologists will probably say, no, not a good time to start any of these things while you're pregnant or even continue, they'd be concerned. So it's very important that you take time and, uh, you know, continue seeing your um, OB, but uh, we would be very happy to assist you uh, in order to make sure that uh, the decision on the plant base is a good one. That's very good to know because this is when you have someone else's life that you're being concerned about, not just your own, you want to make sure you're doing it right. Obviously, what these doctors are, have studied this and they're very familiar with pregnancy and very familiar with this lifestyle. And basically, it has to be well designed in order to be effective and they can make sure that you're on track with that. So let's see our next question, true or false? guys, let's see what you want to say. Eating soy during pregnancy is not a good idea because of the phytoestrogens. That's something that a lot of people are concerned about. So you can type in your answer and take your guess, true or false. You don't have to type it in in the comments if you don't want to. Dr. Pierce, do you want to answer that one? Sure. Uh, this came up a little bit last week um, when we were talking about um, soy and healthy bones. And um, you know, I think initial studies that came out, which I think were mostly based on mice or mice and rats said, oh, there might be downsides of eating soy with all these plant estrogens, et cetera. But, um, you know, the human studies that have come out, um, and there are a number of them show that soy is really good for us in a number of ways, whether you're a man or you're a woman. But in this case, um, as a, uh, as a pregnant woman, soy is, is great. It has, as you review this topic and say, okay, what are all the important, um, macronutrients like protein and um, what, are, what are the important micronutrients that we need during pregnancy like iron and um, calcium and uh, zinc and all this stuff. Well, when, when you look at uh, all these categories, what comes up over and over and over again are the benefits of, of beans, of legumes, and soy is an uh, important one of them. And it provides uh, legumes in general, but soy as well in particular provides so much of these categories that um, it's uh, yeah, I think uh, a key part of a healthy pregnancy. So make sure that you're eating soy in the many 
uh, forms uh, that are close to the form that it came out of the ground as. So either the dry mature soybeans that you soak overnight and cook like you would pinto beans or edamame, the green younger um, soybeans that you would get at a sushi restaurant um, or calcium set tofu, tempeh, soy milk, all that stuff's good. I'm not a fan of adding scoopfuls of pro isolated protein powder or some uh, soy protein or something like that um, because a lot of the good stuff has been taken out. But uh, the basic whole food versions of soy are great for pregnancy. Yeah, I do love edamame and I'm able to buy it already shelled and frozen so I can just mm spoon some out on all of my salads that I eat throughout the week. And even if it didn't have any dressing on, I just love the way it tastes. It's very good. What do you want to talk about as far as the soybeans, Dr. Fontaine? Uh, I think Jeff is right on it. Um, you know, when you think about it and you use your common sense, uh, there is so many uh, other um, food that we ingest that uh, potentially could have impact and uh, negative impact. And we don't even think talk about it. <laughs> you know, the fat that we ingest, the meat, uh, as an example, hamburger, and, and, and why suddenly we're downgrading the soy. I think there's uh, probably concern more by the food industry than really the person, the individual. And we transmit this information, goes on social media, and too much information. We become those Google doctor. People come to my office asking me questions that they saw on Google that I have. I can't even keep up with the information that they get. So I think on the one on soya to me um, is uh, a little bit pushed again. Um, there, it's it's very healthy. It contains a lot of the protein that you're looking for, uh, and I think that it's uh, an excellent uh, type of food to uh, have into your diet. Is there any music or dance that happened between the question or something? <laughs> you know, so throughout the pregnancy, uh, uh, you know, you're going to become deficient in vitamin B12 and folic acid on a plant-based diet. So two, two things. The vitamin B12, if you're uh, completely plant food-based, then it is important that you, you know, supplement with uh, a vitamin or uh, at least making sure that there's sufficient vitamin B12. So that, that's important. That's probably the one that you cannot forget. During the pregnancy, folic acid as a prevention of what we call neural tube defect, which is, uh, you know, something with the, the spine as an example, just to give you. So, so it's very important that you have sufficient amount of folic acid, which you could get with a plant base. But when I see women that are in, uh, in their potential of wanting to, uh, you know, not trying to, not to get pregnant, I, I encourage them to take a vitamin uh, that will have a folic acid because it's very hard to know, are they really getting sufficient amount with their diet? If they, if I knew, if I was sitting with them all day long and I knew exactly what they're eating, they would get sufficient amount of folic acid with a plant-based diet. But since I, it's hard to tell, uh, I would probably encourage them. But it's really at the at, at, the prevention is at the very very beginning. It's before we can even know that you're pregnant. So. Very early, you got to make sure that you're on folic acid, uh, at least on that. The food industry had made some huge effort, at least on that. It's very positive to put folic acid in a lot of things that we are eating. They may not all be plant food-based, um, but in order for this prevention and knowing that women could be at risk during pregnancy, so they've add uh, folic acid in a lot of the things that we eat. 
but again, uh, I would encourage a woman that is not trying not to get pregnant, is not on the contraception, I would say, hey, make sure you get a little bit of folic acid uh, in order to help your body as much as you can. I think something like 40% of pregnancies are unplanned. Um, and so you, you know, it's, it's not like the, everyone can say, okay, I'm going to get pregnant and therefore I need to start supplementing with folate, for example. And so I like the recommendation um, for being on uh, a prenatal vitamin if you are of childbearing age, um, and that includes the folate because it's really in those first few weeks before you know you're pregnant I, that the folate is incredibly important for the um, formation of the neural tube, the spine and the brain. And without enough folate, mm -hmm. you can have serious spinal cord um, problems and brain development problems. And um, that, you know, I, I see patients in my, in my clinic every week that say, I think I'm maybe four weeks pregnant and you put the ultrasound on and they're, you know, four or five months pregnant. And so it's best to prepare by just being on folate. And that's true for um, women who are uh, plant-based or not. And then the B12, I totally agree as well with Elizabeth is that um, it is, uh, it is found in soil microbes and that's how cows get it because they're eating the soil microbes as they eat the grass. But, um, and meat eaters will, uh, get the B12 from the, from the cow meat, for example, but even omnivores, uh, in pregnancy can have low B12, uh, levels. And so it's important to make sure that you're taking some B12 in your prenatal vitamin. And sometimes, especially if you're at higher risk for being low in B12 to check a B12 level, and other labs associated with B12 and see if you need a supplement. I think a common recommendation is a thousand micrograms twice a week um, to make sure that you're getting plenty of uh, B12 to support your self and to support the baby. We were talking about supplements and I was doing a little bit of engineering in the background here. So did we talk about all the supplements that you're recommending? Did you cover that? I think the B12 and, and folate we were talking about. Um, right. I, th I think a lot of the stuff that you need, and sorry to interrupt Elizabeth, but um, but I'd say a lot of the supplements that you need come in the uh, prenatal vitamin, um, but the prenatal, not all prenatal vitamins are, are created equal. Um, one thing that's important to pay particular attention to is iodine, for example. Uh, you need something like 220 micrograms of iodine during pregnancy a day. Um, check to make sure your prenatal vitamin has the typical say 150 micrograms a day, and then the rest will be uh, brought in in your diet. Um, a little bit of iodine in fruits and veg in general, but um, a lot of the soils are iodine deficient and a little bit of uh, iodized table salt, if, if you would like, if you're not SOS free, there's a little bit of iodine in the nori seaweed that you wrap your veggie sushi in and that's, that's perfect. It's low dose and that's fine. Stay away from kelp, which has got uh, huge amounts of iodine. Uh, that's probably how I would manage that. You can check iodine levels in the urine. I've never done that in pregnant in a pregnant woman. Uh, I just make sure that their prenatal vitamin has some iodine in it, and they'll probably be okay. And uh, what else, Doctor Fontaine? Uh, thank you, uh, Jeff. Well, so the other things that you know, obviously, we talked about it last week. Uh, we talked about calcium, so it's certainly important to have a little bit more while you're pregnant. Doesn't mean that you have to take necessarily a supplement. Again, the problem is to know exactly how women, and um, you know, are feeding themselves in the in the plant base. Especially as an example, there's plenty of uh, 
vegetable that will provide some calcium and there's you know oat milk and these milk have been you know reinforced with some calcium so certainly keep an eye on that otherwise yes you can take a, a supplement and the iron iron that women tends to kind of decrease a little bit that level of iron it might be by dilution we call but but iron is a good idea that the prenatal vitamin the majority of them contain just a very tiny amount so even more important that to have a nice and structured, uh, you know, well-colored uh, um, food plate in order for you to supplement. I, I've seen that the majority of women that would become anemic, which is not enough iron, uh, ten, most people have this uh, kind of North American style diet, diet that really doesn't contain much vegetable, the fruits, and therefore we supplement them. And again, the prenatal vitamin does not contain much iron. So sometimes we need to, you know, give them iron pill, which has their own problem in itself, tend to constipate. But on the other hand, the women that eat a very nice uh, variety of food uh, with the plant base uh, will tend to maintain a very nice level. So I, I was able to maintain my level without taking, uh, you know, any vitamin during the pregnancy because I was very also very uh, susceptible with constipation. And I said, I don't want to take any of that. So, you know, just to make sure you eat properly. Uh, so that would be the, probably the <clears throat> the four most important. I mean, the whole diet is important, but when you think about it, the, you know, the B12, folate, acid, folic acid, the, the um, calcium, iron, and iodine. Um, yeah, Amy, good. if I can, ahead, I, yeah, I, there's one thing that I, I've been learning more about lately that I didn't think about um, in a lot of the years that I was doing prenatal care. And it's something I think that's still a little bit debatable, worth consideration is um, the long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids. So these are the healthy fatty acids that um, are naturally found in fish and in algae. In a in a predominantly plant based diet, the the omega three fatty acids that we get are the short chain fatty acids, uh, typically referred to as ALA. And these are uh, in, in good supply in chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, and walnut. Pregnant women, uh, better than men and better than, I guess, probably uh, very young or elderly women, um, have, a, have a better ability to convert these short-chain ALAs that we get out of plants into long-chain uh, uh, fatty acids, which are important for baby or fetal um, brain and retinal uh, development so the eye and the brain um, and might have some other effects as well and so uh, some people say ah eh, you're going to get all of long chain fatty acids by eating short chain fatty acids and your body will make them in the long chain for your baby and that'll be fine and other people disagree and say well it's probably safer um, to uh, supplement with some dha and epa pills and from a plant-based or a vegan standpoint those are the ones that come from uh, algae and not from fish and i think um, uh, that would be probably the general recommendation about two or 300, um, uh, I believe milligrams of that. And, and I think that's a better way to do it, uh, to get your long chain fatty acids than eating fish because of all the contaminants that are found in fish. You know, there's some really interesting, um, uh, videos that Michael Greger did on nutritionfacts.org where he's talking about, 
uh, well, if you want to cut your uh, exposure, your baby's exposure to um, mercury, it's actually it's actually recommended not just to stop eating fish during during pregnancy, but maybe to stop a year ahead of time um, to uh, let the mercury get out of your body because it takes a little while. And then for some of the other persistent pollutants, the persistent organic pollutants like PCBs and these other kind of scary uh, breakdown products from modern day manufacturing that are just in our food web um, may take five or more years to get out of the out of the bloodstream. I just saw some crazy study that said uh, 95% of uh, umbilical cord blood samples in one study still showed breakdown products of the pesticide DDT in America, um, in modern day America, even though DDT has been uh, banned for decades. So trying to avoid these high fat types of foods like fish, meat and dairy, where a lot of these persistent pollutants um, um, concentrate might be a good thing. Uh, as we learn more about this. Right. I think that they even had a study with the carotid arteries of newborns showing fatty streaks in them from people that were consuming the standard American diet. So now speaking of fat, there are some people who have adopted a whole food plant-based lifestyle or they're thinking about doing it. And some people who do this do a low fat version, especially if they're interested in weight loss. So how would that be when you're trying to become pregnant or you are pregnant, is that something that you have to think about? Dr. Fontaine? Um, you know, it's a good question. I cannot say that I have a review. And, and again, it's one of those elements that you're discussing that um, is coming from people that suddenly uh, <laughs> decide to uh, review Google and get some opinion. Um, it, certainly while you're pregnant, it, it's certainly not a good time to try to kind of quote unquote lose weight. That is not a time that we, um, you know, encourage people to try to do any kind of, uh, you know, even more modified diet. So like I mentioned at the beginning, it is important to have a, a good variety, a good color of, uh, you know, fruits and, and vegetables and beans and uh, fiber uh, during the pregnancy and drinks a lot, a lot, a lot of water, that which is very important. So in itself, I'd, I'd be careful uh, of trying to significantly reduce. It's already questionable for people to say, am I going to have enough fat when I eat plant-based? And then suddenly they're going to try to eliminate. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting uh, as a question. Um, personally, I think that as long as they are attempting to um, monitor uh, on the plant base and have somebody like us to try to help them, that's probably the most secure answer that I can give them. Sounds like good advice, Dr. Pierce. I agree. I, I think that there there are vegan diets where you know that that include a whole lot of added oils and a lot of um, vegan pastries and a lot of uh, Impossible Burgers, and those aren't low fat. Um, plant-based diets, and and I would say in general that's not particularly healthy if you're adding a, a lot of uh, fats. I think um, a whole a, a low-fat whole food plant-based diet that you see talked about in a lot of the groups, like from that we generally recommend and Physicians Committee and McDougal and Furman and and all these folks, is just is just a healthy diet that comes with healthy fats already built into it. So the healthy fats in olives and seeds and nuts and the healthy fats in avocado and all that kind of stuff. And so that's fine. And so I think if that's the, if that's the focus, that should be fine. But yes, being overly restrictive 
um, especially if the goal is trying to lose weight during pregnancy or, or, you know, try to stay the same weight all throughout pregnancy or something like that. That's where you get into trouble where, and where you see the bad press with a, with a vegan type diet during pregnancy. I think. And also on the discussion that uh, Dr. Pierce is mentioning that sometimes we will encourage people to really have low fat, reducing oil and the fat because they have a chronic disease that makes us think that this would be the best way to go for them. It's not necessarily, certainly not during pregnancy and wanted to lose weight. It's for people that have cardiovascular disease. We know that their artery are plugged and we really want to help you to reduce all the risk without having necessarily to go under surgery so that you can become very restricted. So you got to make sure that when you read, when you take information, that that information applied to you. Uh, and not on a specific group of individual. Right. And that's why when you answer these questions, you're answering in general, you're not really trying to give specific advice because without reviewing the patient's medical history and their profile, you can't give out advice. And it's not just one size fits all for everyone. Correct. So it's very good to be in touch with a physician that is familiar with this lifestyle and can target and cater it to whatever your needs are medically. Now, Nadia had a question because we were talking about low fat. Nadia B says, is it okay to eat totally raw whole food plant-based while pregnant? Mm -hmm. Dr. Pierce. That's an interesting question. You know, I'm I'm not a specialist in raw food per se. I think that uh, a lot of the foods that you consume raw are totally healthy. So lots of raw veggies, lots of raw fruit. Don't recommend raw beans. Not good for your teeth uh, and and all the other problems with uncooked uh, beans. But no one's eating that. In the literature or in the sort of stock recommendations for uh, pregnant women don't eat uh, raw um, sprouts. And I think that's mostly from a industrial level that you know, because they talk about bacteria that can be involved in, in that. Sprouts don't have intestinal tracts. Uh, they don't have uh, E. coli themselves, but it's contaminated sometime during the food process. So I think if you're sprouting your own bro- uh, broccoli seeds um, uh, healthily and you're in, on your kitchen sink, that's probably okay. If the raw diet involves um like unpasteurized juices. That's another one of those stock things where uh, unpasteurized products um, can uh, it can have bacterial contamination. So that's not recommended uh, during pregnancy. When we're talking about eating a healthful diet, if you're getting your B12 and you're getting your D and you're taking your prenatal vitamin and you're getting all the calories and you're getting uh, healthy fats from things like nuts and seeds and um, avocados, and you're getting the iron from all these things. You know, it seems like most of those things are coming in raw foods or can come in raw foods. And so I'm not seeing something that's a big hole off the top of my head. Uh, Elizabeth, anything I'm missing? No, I think, uh, you know, uh, you, you got um, uh, right on the top of the story here. Um, however, what I'd like to add is that if you look at the literature, there is no big study on pregnant women um, eating whole plant food based other than what we call observational study. So there is no double-blind studies. It's always hard to have studies that will allow us to have a complete answer, but at least the observational story um, in the literature demonstrate that 
it, it, there's no difference. It is, it is uh, definitely actually even better with a reduction of some of these diseases that I mentioned um, earlier with the preeclampsia, diabetes, and not gaining as much weight. So there, there's good sense that uh, it's definitely good to have a whole plant-based diet. I, so what I want to say on that is that if we don't have complete studies on the whole plant food base, it would be hard for us to say, the raw, um, you know, fruits and vegetables. Um, so I think that by, um, you know, Jeffrey giving this answer, it's to use basically the common sense uh, answer into uh, what was asked. And, you know, as long as you uh, make sure that you have all the proper, you know, micronutrient, macronutrient, then then that, that is fine. I would think it'd be difficult for any person, especially if they were trying to eliminate oil, to get enough calories being totally raw because cooked food has more calories and it's easier to consume more calories that way. So I always wondered about that just for people who weren't pregnant, if they were eliminating oil especially. So we have another question from Alicia. I'm 30 weeks pregnant and was, congratulations, I was just diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I'm overweight, and recently went whole food plant-based. I'm just so confused on what I should and shouldn't eat. Advice? Cool. So, so yeah, it is cool. Um, you know, the first thing I'm going to say is that it's hard to do that by yourself. So, I mean, we can give a little advice on this uh, program, but if there's any better reason to say, would you like to be followed and at least for us, to talk a little bit more, I think that being able to go on, uh, you know, our website, take an appointment. There's also the group uh, that we call Mastering Diabetes or Following Pregnant Women to try to help them. So, you know, it is amazing for you to make that decision. Um, I'm not sure exactly where you are into the diagnosis. Did they put you on any medication? Did they suggest any other thing? So again, just to a quick evaluation is a little bit difficult, uh, but there's if you um, eat a good variety of the whole plant food base, it would be good. It's totally fine for you to go on it. But to start that now, I think it would be better to have a little bit of assistance. What do you think, Jeffrey? Totally. Um, I think um, when you are... So congratulations, first of all, for going whole food plant based. I think that's going to be great for you and your baby as well. Um, when you're doing it, when, when you're not pregnant, you have lots of time to sort of um, make changes and typically and uh, see the results of them. You want to be particularly careful in pregnancy because it's affected, you know, your changes affect you and your baby. And it's also a very short window. And so you have to be careful um, with the changes that you make. I would say in general, so a big fan of the folks over at Mastering Diabetes, they know what they're talking about. So, you know, you can uh, just search in their podcast for talks on gestational diabetes look on their blog, um, uh, you know, a lot of those resources are free and you can, they're a coaching program, so you could talk to them specifically and, and, and pay as well if you'd like for more specific information. Um, also, you could go to the library or the bookstore and look at Neil Barnard's program for reversing diabetes, I think is the name of the book. Um, but uh, that book and uh, all the other stuff from his group, PCRM, uh, PCRM.org, they have a lot of stuff on um, on their website about a healthy plant-based pregnancy. 
um, including um, stuff that mentions gestational diabetes. But my my general um, uh, recommendation to this sort of a thing, uh, to this situation where um, you have been diagnosed with gestational diabetes um, and you're, uh, say, overweight, so probably have a fair amount of what we call insulin resistance, is if you, you know, start on day one uh, eating a bunch of mangoes and bananas and apples and grapes and stuff like that, you'll initially see sugar spikes, which will confuse you and make you think that you've made the wrong choice. And that's just because right now, any kind of sugar, even the healthy sugars that come in fruits um, will cause your blood sugar to spike. And so it's really better in general to start heavy on the legumes, the whole grains and the, um, and the veggies. And as your insulin and, and low fat, so uh, um, minimizing um, saturated and, and, and even unsaturated uh fats um, that you will see your insulin resistance go down and then you'll be able to in, uh, increase the fruit intake. Um, and so, but I, I totally agree that it's good to have someone walk you through this, especially if you make big, big changes and your provider, your pregnancy provider is not fully aware of this. You could see, and they say, for example, have started you on a oral medicine like gliburide or an injectable medicine like insulin. And all of a sudden, Though your diet changes so radically that your sugars get so much better that that these medications make your sugar go too low and you get hypoglycemic, which can be life threatening. And so you definitely want to be walking through this with your own provider. And if uh, you or they need um, second opinions, uh, you can you know do it through us or other groups that uh, have specialized knowledge in this. It's just so important. It can be quite overwhelming when you get a diagnosis like that, especially when you're pregnant. There's so many things that you're concerned about. So that was a really good answer. Now this is something I can relate to. Jamie, she's eight weeks pregnant and she says she's throwing up constantly. I was nauseous. Fortunately I didn't throw up, but I can relate to this. <laughs> so, but her doctor gave, says, she said her doctor gave her meds. She, of course, she doesn't want to take them. What should she do? Any natural herb advice, Dr. Fontaine? You know, um, it's been a, a while since I've seen a pregnant woman um, mm -hmm. personally. Um, and I would say that I have tried a lot of different things to try to help them. And uh, the best thing uh, was not necessarily to try er any type of herbs, and maybe Jeff has a recipe on that. But for me, it was to encourage them to really eat a very tiny amount at a time um, and uh, make sure that they hydrate themselves. You know, the, the baby is very small, eight weeks, we mentioned that. So they could be, they, they will tolerate very well if you're not able to get the um, amount of calorie that you want to. And, and usually the worst timing is usually between eight and 12 weeks. So if you're able to maintain what I said for kind of recipes, just a little bit at a time. Uh, and, and sometimes, especially to be careful of not spending a, a kind of a 12 hours without anything in your body, because that's usually what, when the circle kind of kept spinning and then you can't eat anything, you keep uh, vomiting. So make sure that even at night before you go to bed or even something besides your bed so that you can have a little stomach, uh, something in your stomach in order to help you. So that would be, uh, you know, what I've used most of my career. Uh, and I've tried um, other type of supplement for me, um, unfortunately, so much variation. Um, so Jeffrey, go 
go and tell me if you have anything uh, new in the literature. Yeah, so unfortunately not something that has uh, totally revolutionized uh, the field um, uh, besides what you're talking about, uh, Dr. Fontaine. I mean, it's a lot of the recommendations um, center around make sure you're having small frequent meals so that you don't get hypoglycemic because if you're having eaten for a long time and you get low, that can trigger some more nausea. Stay hydrated um, because sometimes being dehydrated might make you a little bit um, nauseous, uh, nauseated, excuse me. Um, the uh, smells, of course, so this is kind of just generalized information. So smells often are a trigger. And so get somebody else to do the cooking, get out of the house in the kitchen if you can during the cooking. Um, try to eat bland foods. So, you know, oatmeal, toast, bananas, rice, these sort of uh, more bland things during this time. Uh, interestingly, people who are plant-based tend to have less hyperemesis or um, severe nausea and vomiting or pregnancy than meat eaters, but that's not to say that um, women who are plant-based can't still have it. As far as herbs go, you know, the, the most frequently, really the only one that I recommend is ginger in many forms. And so whether it's tea or ginger ale, ginger added to your food, ginger candy, ginger syrup, whatever works for you, um, that that's a natural one that's good for nausea. Um, and I think that's, those are my main ones. I think if you don't want to, another thing to maybe stay away from a medication, if you wanted to, though, I think sometimes medications are certainly necessary and you should, um, keep talking with your doctor about it. Um, some people get benefits from the C bands, from the acupressure bands that, uh, put pressure at the wrist, um, that can help with nausea. Um, and, uh, I, it, it, as far as medications go, probably the, the least um, worrisome to most people who are um, hesitant about taking medications in general is vitamin B6. So it's a natural vitamin that we get in our food, food, but just a higher dose of it. And so for my, for the patients that I'm seeing that have bad vomiting and want to start with something as natural as positive possible, as far as medications go, I would say 25 of, um, vitamin b6 uh two or three times a day and see how that helps and well at least one thing positive is that the study had been clear on that women that has hyperemesis they tend to have a much normal pregnancy after so that's the positive thing to tell them is that your hormone level may be high and you're not feeling good but you know the good thing about it is that you usually it's uh you know, free of complication and pregnancy goes well. So can't have everything in this world. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it'll get better, right? It tends to get better somewhere around 15 to 20 weeks, 16 to 20 weeks, something like that. Some, some women suffer with bad vomiting and nausea throughout all pregnancy, but that's the minority. Most women get better. by. It's funny. I hear you saying that and I have those memory. I don't know how you are, Amy, but the first trimester maybe was not as bad as some of my patients. But do, do I remember having those periods of uh, being so sick? Uh, so, you know, you just listen to that and you say, oh, my gosh, I almost forgot about those days. Uh, but it's uh, so hang on, hang on. Things will get better. And at some point you kind of forget about it. Uh, but uh, not an easy time. No, it's not an easy time. I wasn't plant-based at the time, and I wonder if it would have affected how I felt back then. One of the things that for me, it was, as Dr. Pierce was talking about, this, the sense of food, cooking mm. food, or even ripening cantaloupe on the counter. It was just mm. a no thing. What helped me, and it wasn't anything to do with, with diet because I didn't know any better back then, was I noticed that when I was in the car and I had the air conditioning on high, really, really high, like 
freezing cold that I'd have to put a coat on. It almost like it took sense out of the air. And it was almost like I was in this neutral zone. I still couldn't really think of what I wanted to eat that didn't make me feel queasy, but at least the scents were, I had a relief for just a little bit from that. Yeah. So I, maybe it was like kind of like an air filter. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a good point that not all the treatments are diet based. And uh, two that I had forgotten uh, that are in line with that are don't take your prenatal vitamin in the morning. If that's when you're having most of your nausea, um, either hold off on it for a little while or try to take it at a different time of day, like maybe right before bed. And then the other, uh, you know, I have uh, women, women who've told me, well, I, it, when I'm brushing my teeth and I'm, I'm brushing the back of my tongue, I really vomit. I'm like, okay, don't brush your tongue. Um, you can skip that. You, you have a pass from your doctor um, during this stage break. Oh, but you're absolutely right on that. I almost forgot. I remember a lot of women, uh, even not having the hyperemesis, were very sensitive of taking their uh, prenatal vitamin. If you suggest to take it later um, before they go to bed, was not as bad. So simple little thing, but that was good to uh, mention that, uh, Dr. Pierce. Okay. And uh, we were talking about calcium earlier. So Ginger wanted to know, does eating spinach leach calcium from the bones? I guess concern when you're on this lifestyle about calcium, and but then you want to eat plant-based. So Dr. Pierce? There is a connection between spinach and calcium, but it doesn't leach it from the bone. So uh, spinach is still a good thing to eat. Um, spinach is what's considered a high oxalate green. And when I think of my high oxalate greens, those are spinach and um, beet greens and collards. And they all have uh, good amounts of calcium, but they also are high in oxalates, which makes them stingy with their calcium, which just means that when you eat, you know, a couple of cups of spinach, um, you would get less of that calcium than if you ate a couple of uh, cups of a lower oxalate green, which are all the brassicas, all the broccoli family types like kale and collards and pak choy and bok choy and arugula and um, tree kale and all these other things that you can get. And so um, it's okay to eat uh, spinach during pregnancy and outside of pregnancy. And, you know, uh, but to, if you are trying to maximize your calcium sources, then make sure that you are um, getting that mostly from things like kale and collards and stuff like that. Dr. Fontaine. I guess on that, uh, you know, just to be careful of not trying to unify them and thinking at one thing that could potentially have an impact that you've read. Uh, again, if you use the common sense of using a, ver a variety um, of all the vegetable that uh, Dr. Pierce just mentioned, I think that is definitely not a problem. So on that, don't be too, don't be too specific. So we're talking about pregnancy and we're talking about the plant-based lifestyle, there are so many challenges, and we've kind of mentioned some of them, that women who become pregnant could face, especially if they aren't on a healthy lifestyle, like diabetes or a high blood pressure. I think you mentioned preeclampsia. That's as a result of the high blood pressure. And maybe even that the child would be likely to be overweight if there wasn't a plant-based lifestyle involved. What other advantages, Dr. Fontaine, would you say if someone adopted this lifestyle, what are the other advantages that they might encounter? That I, I guess um, probably the interesting thing regarding this question is as, uh, an area that I, um, I like to hear about is what we call the epigenetic um, so there's, there's a huge impact of the study that demonstrate that, you know, what you eat 
uh, even prior to be pregnant, or even even what my mother ate uh, would have an impact on future generation. So I, I kind of visualize this question because I think we've discussed, uh, you know, a, a good way of the whole plant food-based diet during pregnancy. But it's just to say, not only during the pregnancy, but the impact that you have on eating and good food to your baby and your future generation. So you're decreasing, obviously, your chance of having the risk of certain uh, disease that are related to pregnancy, like you mentioned, Amy, but, but also thinking about what is it that I'm providing for my future generation, you know, the baby that I'm growing. Uh, and so it, it is such an important uh, moment in uh, the, the life of our future generation. Dr. Pierce? Yeah, I agree. I, th I think there's focus when you read about vegan diets and when you talk to your, you know, when your family members or the person at the, you know, store gives you advice on being vegan during pregnancy, you hear, uh, excuse me, yeah, being vegan during your pregnancy, you hear mostly the concerns, oh, you're not going to get enough of this and you're not going to get enough of this. And, um, and, and when you, even though a, a plant-based diet is recommended in um, uh, many national organizations in the U.S. and abroad, um, you know, they talk about just make sure that it's well, um, well sort of put together. And so, you know, nobody should uh, be on a celery juice diet for nine months of pregnancy. That's just, you know, that's just silly. Um, you need to eat a, uh, a well-balanced diet. And, um, and we really sh should also hold the same sort of standard to uh, the diets that involve uh, a omnivorous type diet is that you could have a decent omnivorous type diet during pregnancy where you, you know, you, if you want to, if that's what you believe strongly in to have a little bit of uh, dairy and a little bit of animal products, but that's also not the norm. You see that a lot of diets that are omnivorous that are um, the typical standard American diet are you know, mostly processed foods and high fat um, animal products and all the problems that come with that. You know, the the benefits to a, a healthy whole food plant-based diet of decreased C-section risk, decreased postpartum depression, decreased neonatal death rates de uh, and maternal death rates. And, you know, these are uh, tricky to parse this stuff out, but it's been seen to some degree in the literature less uh, of the condition called preeclampsia, which is scary stuff, high blood pressure and seizure risks and stuff like that, and less risk for diabetes in pregnancy. Like these are all uh, one huge benefits that we should be congratulating uh, our ourselves for and our patients for and our friends for and say, hey, congratulations for making this move. You do a couple of things that are that make sense during pregnancy and you're gonna really increase your chance for you and your baby to have a just uh, a really healthy time. Yep, those are really all good messages. And I hope that people will think about listening to a physician that's familiar with this lifestyle instead of, like you said, Dr. Pierce, somebody at the grocery store. Okay, I think we have another question. Alex W. Pregnant with leg cramps. Advice, Dr. Pierce. Um, well, so the only thing I can say about leg cramps um, is that it is often associated with low ferritin which are your iron stores and so um in pregnancy you t uh, anemia is very common uh, often due uh, most most commonly due to iron deficiency anemia and so uh if you uh what i would recommend is talk to your doc and say hey could you order um uh, some iron studies including a ferritin level and see where that is 
um, because sometimes supplementing with a little bit extra iron um, can help with uh, uh, nocturnal leg if, if I'm assuming they're nocturnal uh, leg cramps um, and often associated with restless leg type stuff. Um, and so stretching uh, a warm shower before getting into bed, um, taking some iron, magnesium can help um, as well. Uh, that's kind of my general approach. Did you want to add anything, Dr. Fontaine? Well, I guess the majority of people would have a tendency to say, oh, I don't have enough potassium and I'm going to eat more banana, but um, unfortunately, nothing that it's bad. It's good to eat banana, but it's probably not going to save you from the leg cramps. Uh, you know, I don't think that there's good studies, unfortunately, on that, that says that a whole plant-based diet is better than any other diet as far as leg cramps. So, you know, it does happen. It's important, like, uh, you know, Dr. Pierce mentioned, to make sure that you stretch and, and to prevent you know when you're in bed and you have a cramp please you do a quick dorsiflexion that's the best way to kind of try to correct that very quickly but and other than that it's one of those amazing moments during the pregnancy and I did suffer quite a bit of that and uh, that's uh, part of uh, being quick uh, you, you kind of wake up the whole bed when you have your cramp but uh, if you're quick into doing the movement then hopefully it doesn't last maybe you could expand on that for those that are not familiar with that movement to to do with their so when we talk, if you have your foot, because obviously it's my hand, if you if you're quick to bring your foot right up, what we call the dorsiflexion, it's going to happen. So sometimes what happens is that you know if we if we do the other way around, we're pulling the muscle. You have to, you're pulling the muscle the other way. It's kind of hard for me. I'm not going to put my foot up into the camera. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it. You don't want to show off. Okay. <laughs> So, so basically, that's really what it is. So you put the foot and you bring it up quickly as you can. Usually, it will reduce the time that you're going to spend into the cramping time. Yeah. I think I heard Dr. It might have been Dr. Clapper who talked about some of the things that you're discussing. And he also said that for some people, and not necessarily applying to pregnant women, but for some people, that if they have, especially if they have their sheets and bed linens tucked in, that mm. it could actually push the top of their foot down and make that cramp happen when they're in that paralyzed state of sleep. So he recommended untuck. Oh, my, that might be the reason why, why I've been untucked since my pregnancy. So <laughs> Dr. Clappery always comes with all these suggestions. I love it. He's so cute. Oh, yes. He is awesome. He, has a, he thinks about other things too, Not, but he's very familiar with this lifestyle, but he also thinks about the other things too. So it's really cool. Oh, look at that. Our, our time is, is just that up i'm really again i'm just so pleased that you both came back on you're my dynamic duo you could do the show without me and you did <laughs> and i thank you for that it was so fun to talk about such a fun health issue like pregnancy and i wanted to give you an opportunity to tell the audience again about your plant-based telemedicine and what you could do for even if, if somebody's not pregnant and they have another health issue, but especially if they're pregnant. So, Dr. Fontaine? So, yes, you know, obviously for, for today, pregnant women, but me, uh, I'm certainly interested quite a bit in uh, women's health uh, in that are uh, wanted to, you know, explore the whole plant food base. So, uh, plantbasedtelehealth.com is, uh, you know, where you can contact. And I'm licensed in the United States in Vermont, Michigan, Florida, and New York. Um, so that, and obviously international, it's interesting. We can see anybody international, but in the United States, you got to be licensed to all the different states. Yeah. 
<laughs> Dr. Fierce. So thankfully to be sharing the stage with Dr. Fontaine today and with the other docs in, in our team at Plant-Based Telehealth, uh, a good group. Um, uh, I'm licensed in California, Texas, and Florida. Happy to see you. I'd like to also put in a plug for the book called Nourish by uh, Reshma Shah and Brenda Davis. Um, a great book uh, for uh, pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, breastfeeding, and raising a healthy family, um, plant-based. Uh, uh, these folks really know what they're talking about. Um, I reference it and recommend it to my patients. And so that, along with uh, the PCRM, the Mastering Diabetes, a couple of great free resources free resources out there as well. Yeah, we actually had Brenda Davis and Dr. Shaw on a previous broadcast, and we'll put a link to that. Cool. And yes, that is just, I wish I had that when I was pregnant. It's not just a good book and has recipes, but it's also a great reference book. So I highly recommend it. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if you're thinking about becoming pregnant, or you are, and you want to talk to a physician that is familiar with that and with this wonderful lifestyle that can help you either contact one of these two doctors and if they don't service your state the plantbasedtelehealth.com you go on that website they cover all the states and internationally so you'll find doctors even there that speak other languages too so i'm really glad that both if you doctors came on today again, it's so exciting. We're going to have Dr. Fontaine back later on again for another health issue that we'd like to talk about. And we'll let you know if you subscribe to Be Green with Amy, you'll find out what that is. But I wanted to thank both of you for being on the show. It was so much fun to have you here and you're so knowledgeable. And I think that you put a lot of people at ease when they're thinking about adopting this lifestyle, especially if they're thinking about or, or they are pregnant. So thank you so much. Stay tuned for a special announcement. I wanted to thank Rebecca from PKA Solves. She talked me through my mic difficulties as she was engineering the show. So it was very nice to have Rebecca on as well. And I also wanted to thank Jess from Jess Task Voice. She did the voiceover and the countdown. But most of all, Green Warriors, I want to thank you because you're here. And that's why Dr. Fontaine and Dr. Pierce are here. That's why I'm here. We want to help you and encourage you to adopt this lifestyle, whether it's about pregnancy or other health concerns that you may have. We want you to have the best information from the top-notch people that I consider really intelligent and well-informed and i'm glad that you're here so share like subscribe send the word out to the universe about this lifestyle so that we can help others who are looking for answers please just ask voice tell us who's coming up next vanessa mendez md is a double board certified gastroenterologist and internist she specializes in digestive disorders as well as obesity and constipation join us wednesday september 22nd 3 p.m eastern noon pacific on be green with amy live and I want to let you know that if you subscribe, you're going to find out that we actually have somebody coming on before that, somebody that came in in the last minute on, it's going to be coming in on Monday and you'll get to see who that is. It's a really cool guest that we're going to have. Please join me with Dr. Pierce and Dr. Fontaine in saying my tagline, which is be strong, be well, and be green. Type it in the comments and join us together. Okay. Until I see you guys again, thanks Dr. Pierce and Dr. Fontaine. Remember, be strong, be well. And be green. green. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you.